Welcome to the Connect the Dots podcast. Jeffrey Klein has conversations with a diverse array of successful people, sharing their stories to educate, inspire, and entertain. Here is your host, Jeffrey. Our guest is Omar Akram, a Grammy award-winning recording artist, composer, and entrepreneur. He became the first Afghan-American to win a Grammy Award for Best New Age Album, Echoes of Love. Born in New York City, Omar grew up as the son of a United Nations diplomat, living everywhere from Prague to Havana and his ancestral home of Afghanistan. With esteemed followers like Kamala Harris, Paolo Coelho, and diehard fans around the world, Omar is more than a world-class musician. He is an internationally recognized cultural figure who has been featured on PBS, BBC, Huffington Post, and the Los Angeles Magazine. Omar just completed scoring his first feature film, Lead the Way, directed by Oscar winner Richard L. Anderson. He's a regular contributor to the Huffington Post, has both a television show and a feature film in development. Welcome, Omar. Hi, Jeffrey. Nice to be here with you. Uh, yes, thank you for joining us. Uh, and I lived in Los Angeles for 10, no, for six years. Um, so I see your son and I'm a little jealous. Although we, we, we have some, I'm here in Philadelphia. It's uh, actually going to be 90 degrees this weekend. So it's going to be pretty warm. Wow, great. Uh, Omar, I always like to start at the beginning. So where were you born and what did your parents do for a living? We heard a little bit about it, but uh, let's hear what you, you, your description of it. Oh, sure. I was uh, born in New York City. My father used to work for United Nations in New York. So, um, yeah, uh, first few years spent in New York. Uh, we were living, I was born in Queens, New York. And of course, my dad worked in Manhattan. So, yeah. Uh, and how long before you moved from New York to the next place? So when I was about four years old, uh no, five years old, we moved to Prague, Czech Republic. My dad uh, was a diplomat, so we moved to different countries. And so, yeah, so that's the next place we moved to. And uh, that's where I started to uh, learn how to play the piano. Um, we'll get to the piano in a second, because I'm definitely curious about uh, that. Um, so growing up with you know, a father who's a diplomat, international travel. Did you have any thoughts about what you wanted to be when you, when you would grow up? Well, I've always been interested in the arts since I was very young, but, you know, obviously my dad being in politics and being a diplomat, I was sort of always been encouraged to go that route. But as I was growing up, I you know, obviously later I realized that's what I wanted to do is be in the arts and become a professional musician. And while, while you're growing up in these various uh, countries, was there any one in particular who you saw as a role model that you're like, oh, this is a musician I could, could see myself um, or, or in, just in general? For me, honestly, it was more about the passion of the music itself. It was more about... Um, how I felt, you know, even as a kid, when I was very young, I would sit and, you know, play the piano and it gave me a certain feeling. It, it's never, for me, it's never been about, oh, okay, this, you know, obviously I started out, you know, learning classical, European classical music. And, you know, I 
talk to you know, Beethoven, you know, those big, you know, classical composers. And I've been always in all of those composers. But, you know, earlier in life, it was just about my passion, just love taking lessons, love playing the piano. And, uh, you know, later on, obviously, I, I became fans of, you know, different composers and different musicians. But starting out, it's just always been about the music and the passion for the arts. Well, speaking of the arts, you know, I, I love music, but and I'm, I'm very focused on visual content and communication. Um, and, and because it's the way that you tell a story and music can definitely tell a story as well as other uh, elements. Was there anyone in, you grew up with who was a really great storyteller that you really loved to listen to their stories? So my father being a diplomat, I think one thing that I saw with him is he was an incredible communicator. He spoke eight different languages. And uh, so he was, um, and not only that, it's just the way he communicated with people in general that I learned so much until this day. You know, I think one of the reasons, you know, I mean, just for me personally, I think anything you do in life, no matter what field you're in, it comes down to relationships, you know, with people. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, you could be great at something, but if you don't have great communication skills and you don't have great relationships, you're really not going to go far. And so at least with in that aspect, I learned so much from my father, who was a diplomat and, he, you know, worked, as I mentioned, for United Nations. So you learned to play piano when you first got to Prague. Is that correct? So I was pretty hyper when I was young, as a child. And so every time my parents would play uh, music, especially classical music, it's I would calm down a little bit. At least they, they thought that I would calm down and I would sit and listen. So my parents thought, you know, if, if we could get him a piano and get him some piano lessons, he might really calm down. So I was about six years old. Uh, we were living in Prague and uh, my dad had a good relationship with this family who, um, you know, they were a, a famous piano maker family. It's called the Petrov family. Not very well known in this country, but in Europe is very well known uh, as far as making pianos. And they still do, by the way. Uh, so they they said, you know what, we'll, we'll ship you guys a piano and, uh, you know, he can start taking lessons. So uh, my parents uh, got me a uh, great teacher from the Prague Symphony, uh, this lady, very kind of very strict uh, piano teacher. Uh, she would come and give me piano lessons. And so that's how I started uh, taking piano lessons when I was six. And did you, you said you really liked piano lessons. Now I took piano for about a year and didn't enjoy it. Probably because my parents were making me do it in different ways. Um, and I wasn't, I didn't have a, a facility for it. I didn't, you know, it didn't come to me as easily, even though I think I have a pretty good ear. Did you like it? Was it, you know, right away? Were you like, oh my God, this is great. You know, okay. So I, I kind of, you know, you're absolutely right. So some of the, the taking the lessons wasn't as fun, right. uh, you know, per se, but because, uh, you know, here I'm taking piano lessons and my brother's outside playing, right? Uh, so that was kind of like, it wasn't a lot of fun. But what I realized is um, I would take the piano lesson, but afterwards 
I would be interested to go back and, and practice and play. So what I found out that I actually, not necessarily sitting down and, and, and going through the lesson, but what I found that I, I enjoyed going back and sitting and playing. And sometimes I would even come up with my own little thing, you know, afterwards. So the lessons were sort of the means for me to do, to play my own music later, if, if that makes any sense. Was there one particular piece that you learned early on that you kind of, I don't want to say mastered, but could play very well that you're really proud to, if someone said, oh, Omar plays the piano, you would play this piece? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, look, when it's pretty standard for uh, for kids learning to play the piano. I mean, I don't know how it is now, but back then, you know, it was all about, you know, European classical music. You would learn Bach, you would learn, you know, Beethoven in certain pieces. I mean, there are certain pieces, you know, uh, from Bach that I could, you know, play very well, you know, and, and, and got interested in playing. But yeah, I mean, it, again, it wasn't so much about learning a specific piece. It was more about the feeling that I got learning the piano and then later kind of sitting there, not only playing that classical piece, but maybe coming up with my own version of it. So that's kind of been you know, my thing from the very beginning. How, how important or um, did an audience matter to your playing? Were you the type of person where you could play all by yourself and you'd be just as happy? Or was there a different dynamic when you'd play something for someone and see how they react to it? Well, what I found out early on as I was taking piano lessons as I got to be a little bit, you know, I got better at it. I found out if I go to, like if, we went on vacation with my parents and there's a piano in the hotel and I would sit there and play. Then you, I'd see people coming in and be very interested and talking to me. And so I got this, I kind of made the connection between playing the piano and, and, and getting a lot of, uh, you know, good attention from people, which, you know, as a kid for me, you know, for my ego was really good because, and I'm thinking, wow, I play the piano, I see other kids coming in and they're nice to me afterwards. So it, 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 in a sense, it encouraged me to do more and more. That's what I found out early on. I'm talking about, I mean, I'm six or seven, you know, and I'm playing these, even those early pieces that I would play, I would go and play and people would come and, you know, and in school the same way, you know, in the auditorium, I would play and kids will come and, you know, uh, be very friendly to me. So, it, it just gave me a nice boost and it gave me a lot of encouragement from the beginning. You mentioned that, you know, one of the, the things you enjoyed was, you know, learning some of the classics, but also then kind of making them your own. And at what stage did you realize, wait, I can kind of write my own things. And when did you start to kind of get into the, I'm going to write my own kind of music. So early on, you know, after Prague, um, you know, we went to Cuba, my father became an ambassador, uh, from Afghanistan to Cuba, we spent two years there, and I learned the more of a jazzier, you know, in Cuba, it's more about African 
jazz music. It, it's that's where the tradition comes from. So I learned quite a bit. I would go into these, uh, sneak into these clubs, jazz clubs, and I was only thirteen or fourteen years old. And I would go on stage when um, when the band would take a break. I would go on stage and I would start playing. And then the band would come back, and I'm kind of jamming by myself. And I'll be like, I would be like, "Oh, hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." They're like, "No, no, no, stay, get it, get it, you know, come and play with us." So that's been my education. You know, I kept going back and performing with these amazing, you know, uh, African jazz music, Latin music. And so combining everything for me was became, you know, it's it just combining the cultures became very important. So when I came back to the States, I would say I was maybe in ninth grade and high school. And um, I, I just wrote a piece that was uh, just a duet between the piano and the violin. And I performed that in school. And that got a lot of attention from every, all the teachers in the, the school. Uh, it was like, a, I think it was like an eight or 10 minute piece. So from there, I just realized that, you know, writing um, my own music is something that I really enjoy. And I, I honestly didn't think I could do it. And, and, and if you hear it now, you'd be like, wow, that sounds just so classical you know, with these big chords and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, it, so it kind of worked and, and I just continued going down that path from there. You know, I'm curious about that leap or that from coming from, you said, I wasn't sure I could do it to then the recognition that you've done it. How, what was that experience like? Well, you know, I just did it. Basically, I think the fear, I think sometimes we have the fear of, of uh, you know, we hold ourselves, ourselves back, right? So a lot of the times, you know, there's a lot of things that we think, oh, we're not able to do this. But you know what? If you just dive into it and try it, and that's kind of how I did it. Um, I met, like going back to that piece, I met, I met this guy, John, who's an incredible violinist, right? So he's in school and he's like a prodigy. This guy is, you know, plays the violin incredible. So I see him perform with the school orchestra. And I said, you know what, let's, I, I want to write a piece that you and I can perform together, right? So that's, I just sat down and started, you know, writing it. And I write the same way, you know, without even, not even being in front of the piano i just take the pen and paper and i just start writing the notes and um and then developed it into this piece so um it just kind of happened but i felt confident with my own abilities that i'm able to make it but i i wasn't 100 sure until we performed it and it did well so that gave me a lot of confidence omar you've traveled a lot you've lived a lot of places um if you were to go back to your ninth grade self um, and say, you know, where's the most surprising place you think you found yourself? And that could be with, in a certain location or speaking with a certain person. Well, I've been fortunate to, to meet a lot of great people. But as far as, you know, travels, I would say that Cuba was probably one of my most interesting travels. And the fact that my father was the ambassador uh, uh, in Havana and I got to meet Fidel Castro in person. 
and got to chat with him. And actually, we talked about music and arts. Um, I was at a reception with my father. I was the youngest person in the whole place. And somehow he took an interest and we talked for about 10 minutes. Um, and uh, yeah, I would say he would be one of the most uh, intriguing people. I mean, I met a lot of people, but he would have to be one of the most intriguing. That's it, it, And also remember, you know, being 13 years old, you know, someone like that can make a huge, you know, impact like seeing someone like that. I don't know if I met a guy like that today, I would, it would make the same impression on me, but back then it did. So, uh, yeah. And, and living there was, um, very interesting because like I mentioned the culture and the people and, uh, yeah, it was just a great experience. Speaking of culture, I mean, one of the things is that I think in some ways, you know, music is universal and, and in terms of the way it can move people and make them happy and sad mm -hmm. and all those kinds of things. Um, how important has your own culture and background, you know, being from Afghanistan, influenced your music? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it influenced quite a bit. I mean, being, you know, both of my parents come from Afghanistan. They were born in Afghanistan. You know, although I was born in the States, I was born in New York. But obviously, the way I grew up, my parents believed that you should preserve your own culture. And you should preserve where you come from. To them, that's always been very important. And so we always spoke Farsi at home. And uh, we always, you know, ate Afghan food. And uh, so I grew up in that culture, although, you know, living in these different countries. So it's been an interesting kind of a way for me, for my life, because, you know, I hear I'm born in, this country, my parents come from a different country, first generation, and also was able to live, you know, in several other countries. So it, it's been good for me, you know, being exposed to different cultures. And I do the same. I have two kids and I, 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 I try to teach them Farsi and, you know, their grandmother is visiting, you know, this week and, you know, trying to preserve, you know, the culture because that's what makes us unique, right? Where we come from and the culture that we come from makes us who we are. And I think for, for me, you know, it shaped me as an artist and as a person. Um, and I, I think that's pretty important. So it, it made a pretty big impact on my life. And to, so did you at different stages listen to Afghanistan? I don't know what Afghanistan, Afghan music would sound like. Um, <clears throat> how much of that influenced the kind of music you wanted to write? And where were the other musical you know, you talked about kind of Latin and, uh, you know, the jazz from Cuba. Um, what were the other musical influences and how much of Afghan music is in what you create? Now, okay, so remember, I didn't really spend a lot of time there. Now, I went there as a child and we spent a little time there in Afghanistan, but very little. So for me, you know, obviously my parents listen to Afghan music. It's not something that has influenced me quite a bit, but what I've done for me is I've taken certain musical instruments from that culture and have been able to mix it with my music. Uh, sorry for the plane passing by. Um, I'm waving to see if, 
Um, but, and also, you know, living in, you know, obviously starting music with European classical music. So that's been a big, you know, influence on me. And, you know, obviously pop culture, you know, growing up with Michael Jackson, growing up with Stevie Wonder, you know, all these, you know, great music, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, you know, that that I used to listen to. So all of those, you know, obviously factor into what I've been doing. I'll, I'll share with you a story I grew up hearing from my father. So my father who's not a professional musician, has played jazz drums for 50 odd years. Um, but he said something interesting about Stevie Wonder, which is he, he thinks if you believe in reincarnation, he thinks that Stevie Wonder may be a reincarnation of Mozart. That was something he used to say, which I always thought was pretty, pretty funny. Well, uh, look, that's amazing. Do you think yeah. anyone can learn to play a musical instrument or do you think that you either kind of have that kind of ability or not? Well, it, it's hard to answer that. I mean, you know, um, I think anybody can uh, with enough hard work, but there's something that something uh, unknown that I see some people have and some people don't, you know, uh, you obviously, you know, when I was young, uh, you know, I also had a lot of interest and, and, you know, I see, you know, kids, sometimes they're interested and sometimes they're not. So you can't really make them play. But for me, for me, I think it's a combination of both. You have a, you know, you obviously have to work very, very hard to become proficient at any, you know, and, and your dad being a drummer, you, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, he played for 50 years. So, and he was probably still practicing. Right. I mean, that's just the still thing. Does. And I, yeah. And I, and I, and I, I still do, you know, after playing for 30 odd years. Uh, but that's the, the, that's the thing. So it, it's a combination. I would say anybody can learn if they want to dedicate the time and uh, have the courage to just keep going. Anybody can do it. It's interesting. Um, one thing's always find interesting about, uh, people at the top of their game, you know, whether it's an athlete or a musician or is that they make it look effortless. Um, and what people don't realize, they go, Oh, they're, they're just a musical genius. And they've just, you know, they could come out and play or, or sing or whatever it is. And I think what people don't recognize is that they may have that, that unknown, that spark of, of genius, but if they don't nurture it and work if that hard work, you know, that creative genius without hard work won't develop um, and so when you look at some of these people who are really gifted, there's also a lot of hard work that goes in behind the scenes, at least in my experience, to, yeah. we don't, we sometimes take for granted. Yes. That's okay. Yes. Yes. I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's, that goes without saying. And I think that that's uh, what especially younger people now don't realize, you know, it, it takes a lot of work. And when you see uh, Stevie Wonder, you see some of these guys singing or performing, yeah, they've been doing it for decades and decades to develop their own style. And that's why people know them for who they are. They're very unique. Why do you think you ended up kind of going into new age as opposed to jazz or pop or one of the other genres? 
What, what about new age that seems to speak to you? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good question. Uh, for me, it, you know, obviously, it, it wasn't for me, it wasn't like, I'm going to get into this or that. It was more, it kind of developed itself. And what came out of that, first of all, for me, I like, for me, I've always been interested in instrumental music because it evokes an image to, it evokes an image differently in everyone. So the same piece of music that you and I are listening to, an instrumental piece, evokes one kind of image for you and another kind for me. Um, so I've always been fascinated by that because um, you can really convey a lot of feelings, emotions, and images through music without words, right? So I've always listened to new age music when I was young. I would listen to George Winston playing the piano, you know, and those great, you know, Kitaros, you know, or Vangelis, or all of those great artists, for me, it evoked a certain kind of images and emotion. And my music sort of developed that way. You know, it wasn't really, to be honest with you, um, it, it, it didn't go towards a specific like jazz or whatever, because I think my music is more a melange, uh, uh, more of a mixture of different cultures. And that coming together, I mean, they call it new age. I, you know, you can call it anything you want, but, uh, but yeah, that's, I think it's the combination of different cultures in my own experiences uh, combined became what it is. I, I have to be yeah, a comment on the George Winston. So when I was, um, I guess in college, I kind of discovered him. I actually saw him perform um, and, fell in love with him uh, and one piece in particular, which was the variations on the canon, Pachelbel's canon, mm -hmm. uh, which is what I played at my wedding when my wife was coming down the aisle. So it was mm -hmm. always have a special place because of, because of that piece. Um, is there anyone that if you could pick one, one group or one artist that you could collaborate with, who, who would it be? Well, I like to collaborate with a great, you know, I actually had a, uh, one of the people that I wanted to collaborate is um, this gentleman. He's a very well-known producer who wrote, who produced My Heart Will Go On for Celine Dion's uh, The Titanic soundtrack. His name is Walter Afanasiev. And um, I was very fortunate to have him uh, work with me on my last album, Destiny, um, and so we wrote an incredible piece. And then uh, also one of the things that I wanted to do was work with a symphony orchestra, which I was able to do on my last album as well with an ADP symphony that I wrote the piece. And the gentleman that conducted Live from the Acropolis for Yanni is the same guy that um, worked with me and he conducted the orchestra. But anyway, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many great people that I would love to collaborate with. You know, Andrea Bocelli to me is a great vocalist. I would love to to do a track with them, or you know, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of great artists, uh, especially vocalists, because you know, I'm I'm getting into writing some uh, vocal pieces, and I think it'd be wonderful. And you know, and I'm also getting into film music, so that's been an interesting journey for me as well. Omar, winning a Grammy is kind of a crowning achievement. Um, 
and you worked very hard and, and, you know, it's an amazing reward to your hard work. Uh, and so a lot of people say that's, you know, success. Um, how would you actually define success? Well, for me, um, success to me is, you know, let me tell you, I feel happiest when I'm sitting in front of my piano and playing my music. And for me, success is if I can continue doing that, to me, that's success. You know, obviously, you know, living in this country, we obviously have to pay bills and, you know, we have kids and all of that. I mean, you know, that's obviously what we have to do. But, but beyond that, for me, success is to be able to continue doing what you love to do. I agree. Uh, and what about, you know, what, as a musician uh, and as an artist, you know, different things will move you and, and, and inspire you. What, what, what do you find inspires your music? You know, right now, uh, things are, you know, obviously not a lot of inspiration in the world, you know, especially uh, what's been going on. But, you know, one thing that I find inspirational always is my kids, you know, uh, they're six and eight and they're young, but they, they, they give me a lot of joy and happiness. You know, when I wake up in the morning, they are always making, you know, it's like I should be paying these guys, you know, just because they entertain me so much, you know. Um, but also beyond that, I think it's, um, you know, inspiration comes from different places. You know, it could be from travel, but it doesn't have to be today. It could be something that I did as a child that all of a sudden comes to me. I was in my studio the other day and I'm going through some boxes and I find some pictures from like 30 years ago and certain images can spark, you know, a flash of inspiration or something that, that you haven't thought about. So, yeah, I mean, you can find inspiration anywhere as an artist. And you don't have to be inspired. What I found out also is for me, I go to the studio almost like when you go to work. I just sit down, even if I don't have anything. I just, I don't know if you're familiar with the term automatic writing. You know what that is? Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean? It's where you just sit there and you just play. Um, and as a writer, you just write. And um, what I found out is a lot of people they wait for some kind of inspiration. Oh, I'm not inspired. I'm not going to go. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. For me, as an artist, I just go to the studio the days that I'm able to. Certain days I'm not because I'm with my kids and um, my wife is a doctor. So she's very busy, you know, with uh, COVID stuff, running, you know, COVID sites in Los Angeles and stuff. So she, you know, uh, but when I'm able to go to the studio, I'm able to go and I sit down and work, you know, and uh, some days, you know, out of two days of playing, two nuggets come out that I can use it for something, right? I, it reminds me of two things. One about uh, a concept I love, which is imperfect action. And the fact that a lot of people are waiting to do something until everything yeah. is just right. That, that's not reality. That's never going to happen. And if right. you're unwilling to just kind of throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Right. Um, and then I read recently about um, Tom, Thomas Edison. You know, he had thousands of patents. 
that never materialized to anything. Um, and the fact is that, but he had a few that, that kind of did work and maybe, you know, so uh, I, I think sometimes, you know, with that, uh, we have this impression of creativity and artistry. It's like this one little thing and that's, you know, comes from on high and is, and it's just, that's not, it's the work you work, you know, you, as you said, you go like a job and you, you work at it and then you craft it and, you know, and then you make sure you can then work on it. And, you know, I always think about writers, writing is pretty, I think is relatively easy. Rewriting is the skill. <laughs> Editing is the skill um, in, in, in a lot of arts. And I think, again, people just see the end product and are like, oh my God. And they don't realize that's version 633 that someone finally got it to the place where it now, it now lives. Omar, if you could go back and give your 21-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I would say um, if I could go back, you know, there were times when I was younger, I would um, be impatient. I would want things to work out faster. Uh, and, um, you know, I would say be more patient because it's a long game that I'm playing. This is not a short game. People don't realize how long it takes for things to happen. You know, especially younger people now, they think they get on social media, they think, oh, it's just going to be a quick thing. going to have some following and things will happen. No, it's, uh, it's people that are extremely successful. If you go back, you realize that they've been at it for many, many years before something happened. It took me 20 years from the time I came to Los Angeles in 1993 until I was at the Staples Center in 2013 to get my Grammy Award. It took 20 years of playing bar mitzvahs, of playing weddings, of playing, you know, these little home backyard, you know, get togethers for me and making connections. So I would say be more patient. Uh, I, I can't help but think about, so John Legend sang at my wedding and one of my closest friends is his production partner uh, in TV and film. And I remember him at, at a concert saying, you know, everyone assumes you're an overnight success. So all of a sudden, you know, you're not known. And I think he, he said something along the lines of, yeah, I'm a nine year overnight success yeah the fact is that exactly you know, it, it 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 doesn't just happen it, it happens because you put in the work um, exactly what do you think is next uh trend or, or gonna happen in your genre of music in the instrumental kind of space you know i i gotta tell you it's been a a, a pretty surprising this past year for me because um, instrumental music has been really um, kind of taken off because a lot of people are at home listening to music and um, for me instrumental music has been able to you know a lot of people they're playing it in the background or they're playing it you know while they're at home you know whatever so I see an uptick in even with my own music uh, in, in the streaming space. Um, but I, 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 see, I see it 
becoming more, you know, there's that chill music. If you go on iTunes, you see ambient, you see sleep, you see those genres. You will be surprised the amount of plays that it gets on Spotify. Now they even have channels on TV where you see images, these beautiful 4K images, and you hear music. I don't know if you've seen those, but but yeah. So those are those are becoming more and more. And I'm hearing from my friends that are in that space, and they're like, "Yeah, we're creating more and more channels of that." So I don't know. I think instrumental music is something that it's here. It's always people love listening to it. If anything, it just kind of helps you function. You know doing your day-to-day stuff, especially in the environment that we live in now. And what's next for Omar? Well, uh, I got, I got a lot of good things happening. You know, I, uh, my big tour, I had a 33 city tour that was canceled last year. So I pivoted. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a show on YouTube. Uh, I'm doing a podcast with my friend Larry Namer, uh, who's the founder of E-Entertainment. And we do that every week. Um, very informative. It's called Everything Hollywood. Uh, people should check that out on YouTube. It's amazing. I uh, just started doing that. So, so, so you're doing a podcast and I just started doing it too. Um, and I'm also pivoting towards, um, I just created my own media company uh, that creates content for a Roku television, Pluto, and uh, 2B TV. So we're working on a uh, sitcom uh, that we're developing right now. And we're also working on a thriller, actually a book that I secured the rights to about three years ago. And uh, just recently, my friend Tony Kay, who's the director of American History X, just came on board uh, to do that and the Safety brothers. So we're doing that. Uh, I believe uh, HBO is interested in putting that out. But uh, beyond that, I just came up with a new album. It came out April 23rd and it's called The Light Will Come. It's a solo piano album. It's uh, basically some of the tracks that I was able to do every Saturday on my YouTube show. I put 10 of those together that I handpick and put it in, um, in an album. And it's, uh, right now it's the number one instrumental piano, uh, album on iTunes. I'm really proud of it. And, uh, besides that, I'm trying to stay healthy and hanging out with family. This is just a small part of what I'm doing. My big part is my kids and family and the stuff that I do with them. So, um, you know, you can always see what I'm doing on my website, omarakram.com. It's everything is there. So for people who are on my Instagram, so. And I'll definitely include all those in the show notes. Uh, so we're now at the part where we've got some rapid fire questions. And the idea is to think pretty quick and just first thing that comes to your mind. So if a movie were made about your life, who would you want to play you? Wow. Uh, can I play myself? Sure. <laughs> sure. Why not? I would play myself. Should stories always have happy endings? Well, no, not necessarily. Do you have a favorite emoji? Uh, yes, it's always a thumbs up. <laughs> now, this is going to be a really hard one. Do you have a f- 
not one of your own, but you have a favorite song. Name one of your favorite songs. Uh, I would say Your Song by Elton John. I love that piece. It's genius. And I love uh, Moulin Rouge when it came out. Blew me away. And that the that version of how they took it was incredible. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite social media platform? Well, you'd be surprised what I'm going to say now, but because that's where we met is right now it's Clubhouse. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, can you name a book that left a lasting impression on you? I would say The Kite Runner by Khaled Hosseini. Fantastic book. Uh, and, and yeah, it's blew me away. Um, can you name one of your favorite movies? Oh, there's so many, but I would say either uh, I can give you a couple. I would say Godfather 1 mm -hmm. and Citizen Kane. Excellent choices. <laughs> I'm a film. Uh, yeah, I I, I, we could go on film yes, is my thing, yes. too. So <laughs> I would say I've got about 100 movies in my top 10. What's your, what's your number one since you're a big film buff? The Shawshank Redemption. Is, uh, yeah, amazing. Amazing, and then and then Cinema Paradiso, an Italian film, is also and and then the soundtrack of Cinema Paradiso. Come on, he he's a genius, Inio. Unfortunately, yeah, he just passed away, but yeah, he was the guy is you know he did all the spaghetti westerns back yes. way back with Clint Eastwood and that, and then of course I don't know if you saw the Mission with Robert De Niro I, and Jeremy Irons. The um, there's Gabriel's same guy oboe. did the soundtrack. Gabriel's oboe is one of the tracks on there is same yeah. guy yeah the whole, yeah the whole soundtrack is is unbelievable <laughs> um name one thing you can't live without my kids and if you could be credited with inventing something what would it be and why oh man uh that would uh i i, I don't i don't know how to answer that uh I, you know, that's, that's, that's a tough one. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that one. All right. Um, Omar, this has been great. And we could probably go on for a long time. You're a super interesting guy. Um, now, you referenced your website um, and the, the new projects you're working on. Is there anything else you, you know, you've been really generous? Is there anything else you'd want to direct people to to find out about a project you're working on or something you're really excited about? Well, you know, my, my YouTube is where I put out my, um, you know, weekly stuff. It's um, youtube.com slash Omar Akram. And then, uh, you know, my website, omarakram.com. And also my Instagram is real Omar Akram. So, you know, they can pretty much find anything I do on those platforms. And of course, awesome. I'm on Again. Clubhouse. I'm on Thanks. Clubhouse too. Yes, Omar Akram. Uh, I'm yes, I'm thankful for Clubhouse and for connecting us. Uh, yes, it's, it's been great. I really appreciate your time, your energy, uh, and your insights uh, and your story, which is quite quite fascinating. And I really want to thank thank you for helping us connect the dots. Thank you for taking your time to listen to this podcast. Please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. If you could also do me a favor and please leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. Remember, story matters and is the best way to connect the dots.